Welcome back to the LG Procast, the podcast for Victoria's local government decision makers. In this episode, we're looking at aged care, a corner of local government that's facing issues not too dissimilar to the environmental health profession that we explored in an earlier episode. Skill shortages have been identified in LG Pro research in this space, and we'll be discussing the issue in more depth here. This episode is brought to you by Public Sector People. They're market leaders in public sector recruitment, whose specialists work right across local government divisions from engineering to planning and professional disciplines. Their recruitment spans temporary to permanent positions, from entry level through to senior roles. So if you're looking to recruit, email info at publicsectorpeople.com.au to learn more. On today's program, we're speaking with Jane Nielsen. Jane has spent almost 20 years with HR and recruitment specialist MacArthur, working from early childhood to human services. In the last 12 years, her specialisation has been in aged care. She spent the last few months getting comfortable in her new role as MacArthur's national manager in this space. It's a long time in an industry that's seen big changes with only further challenges to come. So we ask, what's the biggest shift she's seen in her time in the industry? Probably the biggest shift across my time in aged care was when consumer-directed care came into fruition. It was sort of more a consumer-based approach, becoming very competitive. That's where it hit local government the most. They probably had the luxury of having aged care, the program, the home and community care program for many years. Um, And in that, it it ran very well and their reputation was fantastic with their residents and in the community. And that shift has caused a little bit of disruption to the local governments. And I can see more and more councils getting out of aged care in that time. It did move pretty quickly to that consumer-based model. So that occurred about probably about five years ago now. Um, Local governments have still stayed in the space, but some have opted to move on and focus on other things like social engagement and social support programs, which I can see has obviously benefited their council. So what was it about the consumer-led model that pushed some councils away from aged care? And what kept those who've stayed in the game? I think there was a number of things. I think at the time there were a lot of providers sticking their hands up and they potentially felt like they couldn't compete. But at the end of the day, there was probably a bit more of a commercial acumen aligned with it as well. I think they had to weigh that up on where their focuses were going to be. I did notice that in the last few years, probably the last three years, that there's less and less providers now coming to fruition. So at that time, I think some councils made that decision very quickly and others just sat on it for a little while until they felt confident that they were making the right choice. Private and not-for-profit run very similar. Local government, I would say, run a little bit differently. I think over the years, like I say, they've had the luxury, but they've also invested a lot of time and energy into that space where they had very good reputation with their residents, with the community and with their workforce as well. So they had EBAs that obviously really um, looked after their workforce. The big change, obviously, in the last probably 12 months even a little bit longer is just the workforce has depleted and that at the same time is conflicting with the high demand unprecedented high demand that we're seeing now with services this unprecedented demand comes as reserve bank governor philip lowe warns of aged care budgets stretching further than the public purse can accommodate 
To make the question of money only harder to answer, a recently released paper from UTS on the sustainability of the aged care system has found that a focus on the worker now ahead of the customer may be in order. Jane agrees. Let's hear why. So a shift in focus from the resident to the workforce, I believe, is probably the most significant change that's occurred in the last 12 months. Um, the pandemic has obviously really hit aged care. I mean, they are they were at the forefront. It's the phrase to face contact, particularly through the care, the care workers. They've made some decisions to either move away from aged care through burnout or working conditions or pay structure. We have noticed that there's a trend and people are just re-evaluating what's important to them in life now. So no longer do you really have a plethora of people coming through the door that can work, you know, 25 to 30 hours a week they sort of want to work on their terms. I've never seen a candidate-driven market so much as now, especially in this aged care space. We've got a lot working against us at the moment in aged care across the board. I think it's a challenging job as it is, and working conditions need to be assessed all the time. I think that focus, Council have always had that wonderful relationship with their residents and a great reputation, but that focus now needs to sort of shift to the workforce itself and in supporting them. There's also the other challenge when it comes to transport. So a lot of the times they are working out in the community, they're not working at a residential facility. So they need to drive from place to place to client to client. So location is really important, not asking or requesting staff to, to travel long distances. Petrol prices have hiked. There's a few things that are working against aged care at the moment. Plus the other thing is there's other sectors. There's early childhood sector, there's the NDIS, and we're competing with those markets. Is the simple answer to pay more? Thankfully for local governments and their budgets, that might not be the case since the public sector is already pretty competitive. The more uncomfortable answer, though, is that it'll likely be much more complicated, with the same issues being faced by for-profit and public sector providers. Because a lot of organisations are dictated by the SHADS Award, so the Social Community Disability Award, um, that is increased already the two-hour minimum for any care worker that works out in the industry. Now, if you're competing in that space and you have your own EBAs and it doesn't align with that two-hour minimum, they could see themselves in a little bit of strife. I think what we need to do is obviously make a consistent ruling across the board, um, whether it be not-for-profit, for-profit or local government, to ensure that those staff are firstly meeting the requirements of fair work, <laughs> but secondly also because we are competing with other organisations, it's important that we pay the staff appropriately and put local government ahead of other organisations. I do believe that they are competitive. I just feel as though they've come across the same challenges as probably the not-for-profits and the for-profits in the last 12 months with the depletion of the workforce. So what can you do to retain and grow your aged care workforce? Here's some practical advice from Jane. This may seem a little granular, but I, I feel as though it's the onboarding and call me the recruiter, but I, I feel it's the onboarding of staff that really needs a focus. Pretty much these staff need to be nurtured from beginning to throughout their journey with the, with the councils. So there needs to be some ongoing training. We need to think creatively about 
how we create a pipeline of candidates into local government. We've obviously been stopped in the last 18 months or so with overseas candidates. That will get better. But I think at this stage, we, we just need to think fairly creatively about how we can build a stronger workforce. But it can't just stop at the onboarding. It needs to keep going. They need to be given career paths. And I think that will allow local government to stay in it a lot longer and give back to the community. Like all the providers, they they do need to think beyond what a carer looks like and what that profile looks like and what an assessment officer looks like and what a case manager looked like three years ago. That profile has definitely changed. And if we can sort of meet in the middle there, I think that will help. And then when it comes to more specialised roles, I think they are sort of put investing in some initial training. So the first two, three months, they may be working alongside other staff. And that does create opportunities. So there's because we all we're all working towards the same market at the moment. We're all trying to take from the same market. I think um, if we can provide some benefits, some long-term options for people and some flexibility around working from home, the hybrid model, I, I think that's really important. Obviously, that only aligns with certain positions at council, but um, those hybrid models make a lot of sense. This working from home is a key pillar of the workplace flexibility line being touted by businesses and workers alike as a lure to keep staff around. But could this kind of flexibility work for such a client-facing industry? Yeah, that's right. So the assessment officers, um, regional assessment officers, they should be able to work in a hybrid model. Case managers that work through the home care packages program, the scheduling team, who are at times a bit underrated, <laughs> but it is a very high volume customer service focused, but they they should, should be able to work from home. I think they're the three main roles. There's also team leaders and program managers across that space. It's more the care workers that obviously need to be the face to face with those residents. The Royal Commission into Aged Care revealed problems of leadership that council-run operations shared with the private sector, and these need to be addressed too. The good news is that your people working in the industry already have the tools to create the positive change you need. You just need to upskill and promote staff to leadership positions who are already in the sector. The Royal Commission came out with some things that there's issues in leadership across the whole space. So at the end of the day, I think if we can invest in some stronger initiatives to create pathways for those staff to become leaders, I think that's really important. I've always known local government to be very invested in that, but that's sort of was the major issue that came out of Royal Commission. I mean, that's across the board. That wouldn't just be local government. That would be across NGOs and for-profits as well. So, I mean, at times they, in the, some of the leadership positions, they've come from logistics or come from other sectors that really don't have an, a full understanding of the whole aged care system. And, you know, with all of this, the most important thing is is risk and ensuring that we have the best quality of care with dignity and respect. Now, that they're sort of terms that you don't hear in other sectors as much. Perhaps you hear that across early childhood or human services related roles, but not so much in these logistical roles 
or project management roles. So there, there needs to be people that can live and breathe the aged care and understand the system. To wrap us up, here's Jane on what's next for the sector and the top things to focus on to nurture your current staff. I think it's going to take some time to rebuild our aged care workforce. And it's not just about rebuilding it, it's also about building it. (laughs) So increasing the amount of workforce that we have out there. I think the pandemic, it's a given now that it, it, it will be here for some time, but we just need to ensure that anyone that is coming into the sector really is well looked after and, you know, it gets the opportunities that they need to in order to sort of create a good reputation for the councils themselves. There's lots of things, like I said, working against aged care at the moment with the pandemic, the working conditions, sometimes the working conditions are just a bit tricky. It's not necessarily anything that the council have a control over, but just travelling around Melbourne in particular at the moment can be quite tiring and the burnout is significant, but the pay structure Definitely, I would love to see that change over the next month, two months. I I feel as though candidates just don't have as much availability anymore. We need to ensure that they have more training, that they're valued, that they're looked after, that they're they're talking about their experiences on a day-to-day basis. There was a lot more room for choice with local government a couple of years ago. I think now... With the pandemic that's come about, there's a lot more burnout. We need to be able to give them options as to whether they want to work today or not work today. We also have to navigate the logistics of the pandemic in itself. You know, they do attract COVID, then we need to support them, look after them and get them back to work as quickly as we can, as as long as they're safe, of course. We need to continue to think creatively on how we build a strong workforce. We just can't think that we put an ad on and they'll apply. I think it's about really attracting candidates from a very early onset because we are competing with a number of sectors now across the board. Thank you to Jane for this episode's interview, to Public Sector People for sponsoring the LG Procast, and thank you for joining us.